Hello and welcome to the Trinity Podcast with me, Rob Burkhead. And me, Ben Hughes. We are the co-founders of Trinity Transformation and creators of the Fit Over 40 method. And for more information about what we do, go to www.fit40info.com. So today's episode is actually the first part in a two-part series we're going to be doing called 16 Ways to Get Rid of Menopause Belly Fat. So sit back and relax and welcome to today's Trinity Podcast. So we speak to a lot of women who are in their 40s and 50s running the program we do called Fit Over 40, who have gained stubborn weight around the middle due to menopause and are struggling to get that weight off again. Maybe you could relate if you're listening to this. Uh, a lot of the women we work with and a lot of the women that we speak to have already tried all of the different plans and all of the different programs that work for them in their 20s and 30s, but they found that these days nothing really seems to work like it used to. And that can be really frustrating. It can leave so many women feeling completely trapped, not knowing what to do to turn things around, kind of dreading going on beach holidays, no longer enjoying shopping for clothes, worrying that they'll never be able to get that excess weight off around the middle, or that this is just kind of some part of the aging process that they're going to have to accept. And that's not a nice place to be at all. And while it is it's 100% true that age and hormones and menopause do make it easier to gain weight, especially around the middle, and can make it much easier, much more difficult to lose that again. The good news is there are a lot of steps you can take to get that weight off again quickly and easily, even around the menopause. So today, in part one of this, this two-part series, we're going to go through the first eight of the most effective ways to get rid of menopause belly fat so you can get the scales moving and drop those couple of dress sizes over the next couple of months. All right, so let's get straight into it. And the first thing I would say is before I mention this point, look, we're not doctors. This is not what our area of expertise. You know, we're personal trainers, fitness coaches, um, and that's where we will keep most of our advice today. But the kind of overall thing that kind of causes this belly fat, or one of the reasons I should say, because it's not the only thing that causes this belly fat to be stored around the middle, is going to be a change in hormones um, around menopause. So one thing you can do to kind of combat that is to replace those hormones that are missing around menopause. So you could do that through taking HRT. That's going to be the only real way to do that. And we're not going to make this a discussion of HRT and whether it's good or bad or what the latest research shows, which generally, if you, if you look at experts like um, Dr. Louise Newson, who's um, you can look her up at the menopause doctor online. Um, the advice is that it's actually pretty healthy it's generally healthier to take hrt than not unless you've got a reason not to but as i said we'll stick to the fitness side of things but what happens during menopause is that our the places our your body stores fat actually changes so this depends on your hormones and depends on your genetics and during menopause both estrogen and progesterone the female sex hormones they decrease to a very very low level and because of this what happens is your testosterone levels, which women also have, it's kind of thought of as a male hormone, but women have testosterone as well. Testosterone levels sort of remain the same, but estrogen and progesterone levels drop. And what this does is then it creates a gap between those and the testosterone levels are sort of comparatively now higher. So it's like you have to higher testosterone. You don't, it's the same, but it's because the other levels drop that now it's comparatively higher and your body works on this sort of balance of these hormones. And that can lead to a lot of the menopause side effects. It can lead to things like oily skin. It can lead to things like more body hair. Um, all of those classic menopause 
side effects that, that can happen, but also it can cause the place where you store body fat to change. So from being on your limbs, perhaps on your lower half, to being more around the middle. So you're more likely to store fat when you store fat on the middle. So what HRT would do is it would increase those estrogen and progesterone levels again, which means that you'll be more likely to store that body fat on your limbs and on your lower body and your arms rather than around the middle and store less on the middle. And that's generally healthier because you don't have what's called visceral fat, which is the fat around your organs around the middle, which is the one that's most closely linked to things like heart disease and things like that. So people who don't take HRT are often at higher risk of heart disease um, and have the same sort of heart attack risk as men um, because of that change in hormones. If they take HRT, then that heart disease risk um, drops a lot because the fat isn't stored around the middle and it's actually much healthier to store your fat generally on your, on your limbs. So HRT would kind of shift that fat pattern, but it's not the only thing. Like it's not just going to be a solution because there's lots of other reasons we'll talk about today, such as eating too much, not exercising enough. That mean you're going to store body fat no matter what. It just depends where you store that body fat and the HRT will help you to not store around the middle, but there's lots of other things you can do as well. So I'll pass over to Ben now and you can go into some other things you can do um, regardless of HRT, really, to, to make sure that you avoid this menopause body fat gain and uh, belly fat gain, I should say. So, yeah, I mean, we've worked with loads of women who we've worked with women who have probably been on HRT and women who have not been on HRT. And in both cases, it is possible to to turn this around and to see amazing results. So whatever you do decide in terms of that, um, just know that, like, you know, there are so many other things you can do. and You probably want to do these things either way. But. The second tip then is to basically to, to exercise in a low impact way, three to four times per week. This is really, really important because it keeps, like keeping that exercise low impact, keeps the stress hormone cortisol as low as possible. And this can prevent, um, having high cortisol can prevent fat loss, especially from around the middle. So, you know, as Rob, as you said before, Rob, the, where the, the, the places that your body is going to store fat and going to hang on to fat is all going to be dependent on hormones. And um, stress can have an impact on those hormones as well as menopause. So doing high impact exercise, so you know, HIIT training or spinning or most other exercise classes will spike your hormones excessively and it will increase those stress hormones. So this should be avoided if you are kind of 40 and above and you think that some of your weight gain is, is related to menopause. The other problem with this is it's much more likely to lead to an injury, especially if you're already carrying excess weight. So, I mean, it's probably fine if you're, you know, for example, if you go to a hit class or you watch a video and you see the instructor and they're jumping around doing burpees and all this kind of stuff, it's probably fine for them if they're like a 25 year old fitness instructor or whatever. But if you're carrying excess weight, you haven't exercised for a long period of time, you know, doing these, these jumping movements around, it can be really damaging on your joints, hammering on your knees with additional weight that, that you're carrying at the same time. And if you, if you do end up injuring yourself, this could then put you out of action for a longer period of time. And while you're unable to exercise for that long period of time, you're likely to then gain more weight. So long-term, avoiding injury is also really, really important. So what we recommend instead is low impact strength training. So this type of training keeps stress levels low, it avoids injuries, um, and it allows you to exercise consistently, also in a way which is very effective for losing body fat. So if you're not sure where to start with that, it's essentially just anything that involves slow, controlled, weighted movement. So that could be with kettlebells, could be with barbells, 
could be with dumbbells, it could be with anything at all, it could even be just bodyweight exercises, but it's about doing that kind of, you're looking for a type of exercise where it's slow repetitive movement, so you know, where they're telling you to do 10 squats and each one is nice and controlled, rather than we're gonna do 30 seconds of sprinting on the spot, jumping up and down in the air, that's the type of thing to avoid. So exercise in a low impact way, three to four times a week. And if you're just starting out, three times per week will be absolutely fine. And you know, it, it, that's a really good way just to get things started um, in, in moving the scales in the right direction. So another thing that can help that's kind of linked to what Ben was just talking about is just increasing your overall activity um, outside of workouts as well. So a lot of people think the only way to kind of get active is to do workouts to do like some intense exercise running jogging gym classes and things like that but actually a big contributor to the 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 amount of weight we can lose and this will also help with losing belly fat is is doing just general activity and that's that's pretty much just measured by your step count so what we would generally recommend to, to all of our clients is to start by aiming for a minimum of five thousand steps a day and for some people, that's easy. They're already achieving that. There's plenty of other things in this podcast that you can you can do on top of that that you're going to need to do as well. But for people who are not doing that and who have a very sedentary lifestyle, who are in desk-based jobs, which, believe it or not, Ben and I are also in. Like we, Our job is actually based on the laptop. We're not t- teaching gym classes and, and doing much movement either. The first thing to do if you're in that situation where you spend all your day on the computer is just to get moving a bit more. Because otherwise, what happens is if you don't move much, if you just don't get many steps in per day, the amount of energy you, you, you use throughout the day, even if you do a few workouts over the week, the amount of energy you're generally using is very, very low, especially as you get older and your metabolism slows down a bit anyway. You're just going to end up having to absolutely starve yourself to, to see any sort of progress. And it's going to be completely unsustainable. You won't be able to eat out. You won't be able to eat any nice foods. You won't really be able to drink much alcohol if you want to see any progress. So what we'd recommend is to increase simple activity, just, just like walking. And you could do this outside. That's generally where you can do it. But it could even be just if, you, if you've got a larger house or even a large flat, you could walk around that and do things like doing chores. All of these things actually burn quite a lot of energy. And the good thing about them is because it's just walking, it's very low impact. It's not going to damage your joints. And as Ben talked about before, high impact stuff will spike your stress hormones and actually could stop you losing weight from around the middle. So this low impact exercise will actually complement um, your hormones. It will help keep the, the right hormones at bay in terms of stress. So keep cortisol levels low so that you're able to shift that belly fat without having to do anything intense. And there's one or, one or two other added benefits that come from it as well. So getting outside is going to be really good for your mental health. It's going to be good to get some vitamin D um, and good for your mood. And then you can come back to work feeling refreshed and focused. And I'll typically try and do a a short walk at lunchtime and a lot of people say it's fine for you you've got a dog a dog often goes out with a dog walker at lunch so i actually do this on my own um because he's a spaniel and he's tiring out so i will just take my headphones like i've got in now i'll listen to a podcast or an audiobook and i'll walk and i'll, I'll try and get that kind of double added benefit and then i'll come back to work feeling refreshed and ready to kind of go again rather than just sitting there getting more and more and more and more tired getting more and more stiff and uncomfortable and also not burning many calories so it's very likely you're going to gain that weight around the middle so the only other thing I say on terms of walking is you can make it more interesting by walking with a dog. The dog's down here. That's one point down here. Or you can um, you could walk with a friend or something like that. If you really don't like it, get someone else involved, get your partner involved, get a friend involved. I'll often walk with my girlfriend in the evenings uh, and we'll also chat through the day and kind of unwind before cooking dinner. 
Cool. So yeah, so tip number four then is essentially just to reduce your alcohol intake. So it might sound obvious, but when you drink alcohol, it essentially changes the way that your body works and the liver switches to burn that alcohol instead of fat. The reason it needs to do this is because alcohol is essentially a poisonous substance. Um, you know, it might, it might not seem that way when you've got a nice delicious glass of wine. But if you imagine taking uh, you know, something really strong, a bottle of vodka or tequila or something, you can see that that, that is something, it's, it's something, something strong, something intense, and the body needs to process that out, um, basically so that you don't avoid, so that you avoid getting poisoned. So alcohol also suppresses testosterone production. And usually the hormone testosterone in women and men um, helps to keep your metabolism high. And this effect of having suppressed testosterone can last for up to a day after drinking as well. So alcohol is basically delaying your liver's ability to burn fat and also blocking the hormones that it needs to break down fat. And when the body is focused on processing that alcohol out, it's not able to properly break down foods containing carbohydrates and fat. So therefore these, these calories that you eat are gonna be converted into body fat more readily, carried away for permanent storage on the body. And then the body is also in a position where it's not optimized for, for burning body fat. It's preoccupied with processing out alcohol. The hormones are not in the right place. So you're just more likely to store fat and it's gonna be more difficult for your body to get rid of that. And during menopause, hormonal changes mean that this additional fat that's gonna be stored if you're drinking too much is most likely to be stored around the belly. Because as we talked about before, your hormones dictate where your body's gonna store fat. So that's why as you're kind of approaching the menopause or going through the menopause, drinking too much is, is kind of a, a real compounding factor with everything else that's going on, which can mean that you're way more likely to gain weight around the middle. And it's way more difficult to lose that weight around, around the middle than it might have been when you were younger. So reducing your alcohol intake, um, in our clients, I would say most of them don't cut it out completely. Most of them still, you know, they're able to go out, enjoy a glass of wine, have a drink with friends, but it's just kind of reducing that constant daily um, daily drinking or kind of weekend binge drinking. You want to take your drinking down to a nice, healthy and sustainable level. And this kind of leads nicely into our next tip, which is how do you go about doing that? Yeah, so our number one strategy for actually reducing alcohol intake, the, the easiest way to do it, as well as reducing unhealthy food. So our next tip is going to kind of involve both of those things is to think about what you actually bring into the house because all food and drink that you have in the house will eventually get consumed. And the only thing stopping that from happening is your own discipline and willpower. So you're really, really reliant on discipline and willpower. And a lot of people think, and a lot of diets also kind of make it so that you're just trying to not eat these things and trying to not drink these things. But the problem is that you only have a certain amount of willpower. It's kind of like your phone battery. And once that's depleted, once you don't, you know, once you've used up your willpower for the day, there's none left. Just like once you've used up your phone battery, no matter what you do, press the on button, it's not going to do anything. It's not going to work. So if you have a really busy and stressful lifestyle, then you're going to deplete your willpower very, very fast. And once it's gone, you're going to eat tempting food and you're going to drink, drink the alcohol as well. Like Ben and I know better. I, I have to regularly reset what we're getting in our online shop because I have to say to my girlfriend, look, don't, don't bring that thing into the house because if you do, I'm going to have it. And we all know how that kind of goes. Oh, I've just got to go and uh, let the dog walker in one second. <laughs> Do you want to finish off this point for me? Yeah, yeah, I'll go for it. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, so basically, if you can set your environment up so um, so that those foods and those drinks that you don't want to consume are not around you, you're not having to use willpower in order to in order to avoid those things. You don't actually have to try to be disciplined. Instead, you open up the cupboard and you can see that there's only healthy choices in there. And I'll go into some. I'm going to go through in a minute just some alternatives to alcohol which you can have, which you can still enjoy. Um, but in our Fit Over 40 program, the, mem- the women that we work with basically go through a process called the cupboard cleanse, where they will either get rid of all the unhealthy foods and the alcohol from their house completely, if they want to you know, really make that kind of a permanent change, or they'll make them take a lot more effort to access. So for example, placing all of your alcohol in a box, in a garage, or putting a lock on one of your cupboards and just having a place where your family can access these unhealthy foods, but you can't. So if they really want to have those foods, they have to go to the effort of actually taking, going and like finding that alcohol out of the back of the garage rather than just opening the fridge and there's a cold bottle of wine or a a nice cold bottle of Prosecco or something already in the fridge. Because let's face it, after you've had a stressful day of work, your willpower is is depleted. You've been making decisions all day. You've maybe probably been looking after the family, worrying about everybody else all day as well. You open that fridge to make dinner and you're like, go on and just have a glass of wine. If it's there, you're going to have it. So just make sure that it's not there. And that leads into our next tip then, which is basically to swap to alcohol-free alternatives. So just because you're avoiding or cutting down on alcohol doesn't mean that you have to miss out on it completely. And these days there are loads and loads of alcohol-free alternatives available, which are much lower in calories. They also taste pretty good. Um, I'd say they probably don't taste as good as the real thing, but they taste pretty good. And they also don't come with a hangover, of course, and they will let you achieve your goals. So a few examples um, that we've found is iceberg sparkling wine you can get. Um, So you can have a nice fizzy glass of something sparkly while everybody else is, so you're not missing out. You can get beers, so there's Lucky Saint unfiltered lager, Beck's Blue. Uh, I've had Beck's Blue before. I think Beck's Blue is, it's pretty decent, especially you chill it, you get it nice and cold. It's quite nice if you're a beer person. if you're a gin and tonic person, you can uh, seedlip, make some non-alcoholic gin alternatives. You know, get one of those, get a nice gin glass, fill it with ice cubes, put some garnish in there as well, get a nice tonic with it. It will be a really enjoyable drink and it just comes without the alcohol. And all of these things, um, they're lower in calories, which means you're more likely to lose weight on them. And because they're alcohol free, they also avoid all of those disadvantages we talked about before, so you know, your, your liver not being able to process out the body fat, the effects they have on your hormones, but they also avoid the mindless eating that happens while you're drinking and the next day when hungover. Because let's face it, we've all been there in that situation where you've been out, you've had a few too many drinks, you walk past the takeaway on McDonald's or something and you just, you just, have, you just go in there, you don't even think about it. Go in there, you get yourself a takeaway or whatever and you enjoy it. Um, or when you wake up with a hangover and you think, do you know what I need now? I need a massive fried breakfast and you go out and get yourself a massive fried breakfast. So we all know that alcohol tends to lead to poor um, food and drink choices. Um, so if you switch to, if you can switch to non-alcoholic um, alternatives or cut down your alcohol intake completely, if that's one of your biggest problems, drinking too much, even just that, that small change on its own could have a massive impact when it comes to your results. One other thing that I think people won't realize is kind of linked to, to, to fat gain and belly fat gain is actually sleep as well. So alcohol will disrupt your sleep. That's one thing we kind of didn't mention that point, but there's a lot of other things that can also disrupt it. And 
if you can improve your sleep, you'll actually improve a whole load of other things that will make shifting that belly fat a lot easier. So if you don't sleep well, what a lot of people don't realize is it disrupts your hunger hormones. And these are called leptin and ghrelin, the key two hunger hormones. And ghrelin actually regulates our appetite. So that's how hungry we feel every day. And leptin regulates that feeling of fullness. So it's like kind of that cue to stop eating when you've eaten what your body deems is enough. And if you've had a poor night of sleep, ghrelin levels increase, leptin levels decrease. And what this means is you'll feel way more hungry all day and crave, especially crave things like comfort foods. And you also won't even feel full, even if you've eaten quite a lot of these foods as well. So lack of sleep directly makes your cravings worse and therefore it's much more likely to overeat. And there's a great book on this called Why We Eat by, uh, Why We Eat, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. It could be called Why We Eat because a lot of the side effects of lack of sleep are eating too much. But in Why We Sleep, he talks about um, this study that was done on two groups of people. And there was a, a group of people that were sleeping eight hours and a group of people that were sleeping five hours a night. And they basically took this, these two groups of people, they were, you know, they took a big wide range of people. So they were basically the same on average. Um, other than their sleep, everything else was controlled. And they took them to a buffet and they let them just eat what they wanted. Um, and then they just studied how much they ate. And the group of people sleeping for five hours a night ate 300 calories more on average than the group of people sleeping for eight hours a night. And that's in just one sitting. And that might not mean much to you, 300 calories, but basically if you did that at every meal, which is kind of what those people would be doing, or at least a couple of meals a day. But if you did it every meal, just because of lack of sleep, nothing else has changed, then you gain two stone in, uh, you gain a stone, sorry, in two months, the average person would. So it's pretty crazy. Even if you, you didn't quite eat that much, you'd still be very likely to gain a lot of weight over time. And if it's during menopause, you're going to gain that rate weight around your, your middle. So lack of sleep directly affects your cravings. Lack of sleep generally it's going to cause people to to become more overweight so what you want to do is focus on improving your sleep and we've done a whole podcast on this you can go back and listen to it but make sure your sleep environment's good make sure you're not using things like technology and um and uh you know stressing yourself out right before bed by looking at emails and news and stuff like that be sensible most of us know what we're doing that's ruining our sleep make those changes and then you'll find it way easier just like ben said with alcohol it could be the one thing you change that means you get rid of that that menopause belly and lose the excess weight sleep could just be another one of those things if you just change that one thing everything could be transformed yeah and it's really easy to see how people can how it can be so easy for your weight to kind of spiral out of control if you have more than one of these factors at play because as, as you said before just then rob those people ate 300 additional calories just from lack of sleep. If at the same time you add in them an inactive lifestyle where they could be burning sort of 200 to 300 calories less um, per day due to that inactive lifestyle, suddenly they're now 600 calories over what they need to eat. Then you add in some weekend drinking and you add in some the, the unhealthy food that goes along with that and you add in the, the hormonal impacts and how that blocks the liver from burning fat. As soon as you add a few of those factors together, that can really, really, you know, your weight can very quickly and very easily spiral out of control. So I think, yeah, just figure out what's the, what is the number one thing that you need to change, change that one. And then if there's anything else that you think also needs attention, just work through those things one by one. Um, and you'll slowly see everything starting to reverse and, and the results starting to come. But yeah, the, the final thing um, that you might want to take into consideration, if you're, if your sleep is less than ideal, as we said before, 
one thing that people will then end up doing is they end up turning to caffeine to try and boost up their energy levels. You're probably going to have to correct me on this one, this uh, pronunciation here, but caffeine works by blocking your adenosine receptors. Adenosine or adenosine? Adenosine, I think it is. You sound American. (laughs) Adenosine is, I think, how it's said, but I might be wrong. Someone might also correct us. That's how I would say it. There might be a scientist watching, but essentially, um, caffeine blocks the receptors that contribute to the feeling of tiredness. So caffeine doesn't necessarily give you any energy. It just stops you from feeling the tiredness that your body is trying to tell you that you you do feel. However, caffeine does also have a half-life of six hours, which basically means the effects of caffeine are half as strong after six hours, um, but those effects have not gone away entirely. So drinking caffeine in the afternoon, which many people do, many people we find, you know, they've got this busy job, they've got a stressful life, they find their energy level slump mid-afternoon and they pick that back up with caffeine. But drinking caffeine in that afternoon can can still be having an impact on you at the time when you're trying to go to bed and at the time when you're trying to get to sleep. So it can then go on to impact your sleep. Caffeine also spikes your body's internal stress levels and the stress hormone cortisol, as we talked about before. And as we said, high cortisol levels make your body less likely to burn fat, more likely to store it, especially around that midsection. And caffeine is just another factor which can contribute to this. So as you can see here, then these things all stack up. You could be not sleeping enough. You could also be drinking, which is ruining your sleep. You could be having caffeine, which is ruining your sleep. Then you're unproductive in the day, which means you're stressed out, which means you turn to food. And this is this is basically the situation a lot of our clients are in. And it's, it's no surprise that's when they when they come to us, it's no surprise then that they're gaining weight around the middle. They're, you know, their cortisol levels are through the roof. They're consuming too many calories. They're not moving enough. Um, and they make, it's very, very hard to get out of this cycle. This, this is why inside our Fit Over 40 program, we just make small changes every week. We don't try and change all of these eight things we talked about today plus all of the eight things we're going to talk about next week in one go. We'll do it stage by stage, week by week, and work with them one-to-one throughout that process to make sure that they've kind of cemented a few habits. And we start with the most important ones. And then once they've been cemented, then we build some new habits. And then once they've been cemented, we build some new ones. So over 12 weeks, they go from this person that's stressed out, that's drinking too much, having too much caffeine, can't, you know, doesn't have control over food choices and isn't moving enough to, to someone who's kind of nailed all of that stuff and it's it become sort of second nature for them. So if, if you're listening to this and just thinking this sounds like way too many things to change, try not to be intimidated by that. And as Ben said, just pick one thing from today and we're going to go through the next day in next week's episode. Um, pick one thing from each week and just work on improving that one thing that week. And Ben, just before we've, we've got a, um, a testimony about how to you know what kind of things you can achieve in terms of losing belly fat in 12 weeks but before we get into that if people want to find out more about that fit over 40 program that we both um that we run where can people go so to find out more information about what we do about having us help you to put this all into action to drop one to two dress sizes between now and christmas just go to www.fit40info.com and you can grab all of the details there and just to wrap it up, I want to read out um, a bit of feedback from Julie, one of my clients who has been battling with that sort of that middle-aged spread. She's just turned 50. She's a busy working mum, lots of stress um, in a very stressful job, actually. And um, what she said was, before I started Trinity, I weighed 92 kilos and I was the heaviest I'd ever been. I felt lethargic and healthy, embarrassed and unhappy. I was squeezing into size 14 elasticated waist and bursting out of my size 16 tops. 
And that was because, again, a lot of this weight gain for, for Julie had happened around the middle. She had that kind of classics, what people call middle age spread or, you know, that menopause belly fat. But since then, she said, I've made amazing progress with Trinity from day one. I lost a stone in three weeks and have just continued to lose weight whilst gaining strength, energy and bags of confidence. I've lost 22 inches in 24 weeks, a total of 14.4 kilos, which is over two stone and 17, seven inches from my waist. I have a waist. So she's really lost a significant amount, like seven inches off her waist. That belly is coming right down and the photos really show it as well. And she said, my, my jeans are size 12 and I'm going to need a belt soon. Never needed a belt in my life before. I wear fitted trouser tops, uh, wear fitted tops, needing a cover up over the top. Um, I feel energized and motivated and excited to see what the next 12 week brings. I have a much flatter stomach and abdomen. I have waist definition and definition on my sternum. And I never knew this was a thing. I could buy clothes and be confident they'll fit, but I need to get used to going confidently buying smaller sizes, tons more energy and confidence. I no longer hide away in photographs and amazed at the comments I get from friends and family. So that's an, a, just a bit of feedback from Julie, one of my clients, as you can hear, she's achieved so much. And we actually did a podcast together. You can go and listen to that as well and find out how Julie lost those, um, that stone in three weeks and went on to lose over two stone, but more importantly, you know, massively shrinked um, her waist and her middle is, is, you know, she's getting towards that real flat stomach now. So she's, she's well on her way to achieving what a lot of people want to achieve during menopause, but find really, really difficult, which is to beat that, that belly fat. So just to wrap it up then, Ben, if people do want to find out more about, about what we do, just a reminder again, where can they go? To find out more, go to www.fit40info.com. Brilliant. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It is just part one. So join us next week on Friday for part two of this episode and uh, we'll see you then. So thank you for listening to today's episode of the Trinity Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to hit that subscribe button inside your podcast app so you don't miss future shows. And also please leave us a quick review. It only takes two minutes. We do all of these shows completely for free to help you. So we'd really appreciate a quick review if it's helped you at all. So thank you again so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for the next episode of the Trinity Podcast.